Unless otherwise indicated, all scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible. New Living Translation, copyright 1996-2004-2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Carol Stream, Illinois 60188. All rights reserved. Hello there and welcome to Bible in a Year with Bill. My name is Bill and today is March 22nd. We're on day 81 of our journey through the Bible this year. Today we're going to continue in the book of Joshua, reading Joshua chapters 12, 13, and 14. And then we're going to finish off today's reading with 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So let's get right into it. Joshua chapter 12. These are the kings east of the Jordan River who had been killed by the Israelites and whose land was taken. Their territory extended from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon and included all the land east of the Jordan Valley. King Sihon of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon was defeated. His kingdom included Aurora on the edge of the Arnon Gorge and extended from the middle of the Arnon Gorge to the Jabbok River, which serves as a border for the Ammonites. This territory included the southern half of the territory of Gilead. Sihon also controlled the Jordan Valley and regions to the east, from as far north as the Sea of Galilee to as far south as the Dead Sea, including the road to Beth Jeshemoth and southward to the slopes of Pisgah. King Og of Bashan, the last of the Raphaites, lived at Ashtaroth and Idre. He ruled a territory stretching from Mount Hermon to Selica in the north and to all of Bashan in the east and westward to the borders of the kingdoms of Geshur and Maaka. This territory included the northern half of Gilead as far as the boundary of King Sihon of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the Israelites had destroyed the people of King Sihon and King Og, and Moses gave their land as a possession to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The following is a list of the kings that Joshua and the Israelite armies defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak, which leads up to Seir. Joshua gave this land to the tribes of Israel as their possession, including the hill country, the western foothills, the Jordan Valley, the mountain slopes, the Judean wilderness, and the Negev. The people who lived in this region were the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These are the kings Israel defeated. The king of Jericho, the king of Ai near Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Gezer, the king of Debir, the king of Geder, the king of Hormah, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adulam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapua, the king of Hefer, the king of Aphek, the king of Lasharon, the king of Madon, the king of Hazor, the king of Shimron Meron, the king of Akshaf, the king of Teanak, the king of Megiddo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Jochnium in Carmel, the king of Dor in the town of Nephath Dor, the king of Goyim in Gilgal, the king of Tirzah. In all, thirty-one kings were defeated. Joshua chapter 13 when Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, You are growing old, and much land remains to be conquered. This is the territory that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and the Geshurites, and the larger territory of the Canaanites, extending from the stream of Shehor on the border of De Egypt northward, northward to the boundary of Ekron. 
It includes the territory of the five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The land of the Avites in the south also remains to be conquered. In the north, the following area has not yet been conquered. All the land of the Canaanites, including Miera, which belongs to the Sidonians, stretching northward to Aphek on the border of the Amorites. The land of the Gebelites and all of the Lebanon mountain area to the east, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon to Libo Hamath, and all the hill country from Lebanon to Mizrafoth Maim, including all the land of the Sidonians. I myself will drive these people out of the land ahead of the Israelites, so be sure to give this land to Israel as a special possession, just as I have commanded you. Include all this territory as Israel's possession when you divide this land among the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Half the tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Reuben and Gad had already received their grants of land on the east side of the Jordan, for Moses the servant of the Lord had previously assigned this land to them. Their territory extended from Aurora on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain beyond Mediba, as far as Debon. It also included all the towns of King Sihon of the Amorites who had reigned in Heshbon and extended as far as the borders of Ammon. It included Gilead, the territory of the kingdoms of Geshur and Maacah, all of Mount Hermon of, the ba of Bashan as far as Selakah, and all the territory of King Og of Bashan who had reigned in Ashtaroth and Idre. King Og was the last of the Rephaites, for Moses had attacked them and driven them out. But the Israelites failed to drive out the people of Geshur and Maacah, so they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. Moses did not assign any allotment of land to the tribe of Levi. Instead, as the Lord had promised them, their allotment came from the offerings burned on the altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. Their territory extended from Aurora on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain beyond Mediba. It included Heshbon and the other towns on the plain, Debon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Baal Meon, Jehaz, Kedemoth, Mephaath, Kiriathayim, Sibma, Zareth Shahar on the hill above the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshimoth. The land of Reuben also included all the towns of the plain and the entire kingdom of Sihon. Sihon was the Amorite king who had reigned in Heshbon and was killed by Moses along with the leaders of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, princes living in the region who were allied with Sihon. The Israelites had also killed Balaam, son of Beor, who used magic to tell the future. The Jordan River marked the western boundary for the tribe of Reuben. The towns and their surrounding villages in this area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the tribe of Gad. Their territory included Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, and half the land of Ammon, as far as the town of Aror, just west of Rabbah. It extended from Heshbon to Ramath Mizpeh and Bitonim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Lodibar. In the valley were Beth-Haram, Beth-Nimrah, Succoth, Zaphon, and the rest of the kingdom of King Sihon of Heshbon. The western boundary ran along the Jordan River, extended as far north as the tip of the Sea of Galilee, and then turned eastward. The towns and their surrounding villages in this area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Gad. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the half-tribe of Manasseh. 
Their territory extended from Mahanaim, including all of Bashan, all the former kingdom of King Og, and the sixty towns of Jair in Bashan. It also included half of Gilead and King Og's royal cities at Ashtaroth and Idre. All this was given to the clans of the descendants of Machir, who was Manasseh's son. These are the allotments Moses had made while he was on the plains of Moab across the Jordan River east of Jericho. But Moses gave no allotment of land to the tribe of Levi, for the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised that he himself would be their allotment. Joshua chapter 14 The remaining tribes of Israel received land in Canaan as allotted by Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the tribal leaders. These nine and a half tribes received their grants of land by means of sacred lots, in accordance with the Lord's command through Moses. Moses had already given a grant of land to the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River, but he had given the Levites no such allotment. The descendants of Joseph had become two separate tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the Levites were given no land at all, only towns to live in with surrounding pasture lands for their livestock and all their possessions. So the land was distributed in strict accordance with the Lord's commands to Moses. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these forty-five years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I am eighty-five years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kiriath Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak. And the land had rest from war. 1 Corinthians Chapter 7 Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. 
Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise your children would not be holy." but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it, and the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments." Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in His mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short, so from now on those with wives should focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. 
In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or or who has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiancée does well, and the person who doesn't marry does even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single, and I think I am giving you counsel from God's Spirit when I say this. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for your word. Paul's ideas on marriage are very interesting to me. Now, he does qualify some of his thoughts by saying they're his and not from the Lord. It seems like Paul is not a fan of marriage because he states that unmarried people should stay unmarried. I know he says this because it's easier to focus on Jesus when a person doesn't need to worry about caring for a family, and I agree. On the other hand, a man and a woman who are faithfully married to each other can really be a spiritual force to be reckoned with. Personally, Brenda and I have been married for almost 30 years, and I believe we are both stronger people because of the time we've spent together. Sure, it hasn't been easy, but the trials and struggles really serve to strengthen our bond if we persevere through them. When I struggle and become stagnant in my walk, I have a wonderful partner in Brenda who prays, encourages, and supports me. I hope she could comfortably say the same about me. Paul may not be a fan of marriage, but for me, it has been an incredible journey so far, and Brenda is my favorite person in the whole world. I thank God for her every day. And I thank God for each of you. (laughs) Thanks for joining me today here on Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.